Welcome to another week of Ew That's Creepy. Our theme this week will be psychics who helped to solve crimes, starting with the famous Nancy Weber. Melissa will be telling Jackie about Nancy's psychic abilities and specifically how Nancy helped to catch a future serial killer. This story will discuss sexual assault and murder. Listener discretion is advised. If you would like to check out Nancy's website before the episode, the URL is nancyorlinweber.com. What's up, creepy cats? We're back. We have another week of Ew, That's Creepy. And our theme this week is going to be solving psychics. Ooh, they are solving and they are psychic. A little bit of the best of both worlds. I love the stories that are crime that involve some paranormal or some supernatural metaphysical I know, I like it too, and because it feels so, like, I feel like this is always something that's in TV shows and stuff like that, but I like when it happens in real life. <laughs> I know. Let's just get right into it. Today, I'm going to be talking about, I'll be telling Jackie about Nancy Orlin Weber, and she is pretty famous because, um, I don't she... know her. Really? On it, I'm not even going to lie, I feel like I don't know any like detective psychics or psychics who work with detectives honestly i don't either but i know that i have seen this woman's face or heard the name or something because when i saw her face she did look familiar and maybe it's because she does have a pretty famous book called the psychic detective um that came out in i think 1995 and then she re-released it in 2018 But she's kind of like one of the first because she started working in the 1980s as a psychic detective, which, you know, back then, no one was really even accepting of that. So she's kind of an OG. But so Miss Nancy Weber, she is a nurse, a nursing work. Oh, my gosh. A working (laughs) nurse, psychic author, publisher, artist, coach, and sometimes an assistant to the police. (laughs) Well, she was often back then, not really so much now because she does a lot more of her own work doing coaching and mentorship. Um, She does a lot. Yeah, she sells essential oils and is really big into like holistic healthcare and things like that. She has a really great website where she just goes into all parts of her life, all her little activities. And I love her website because she'll just randomly be in a sentence and have a little tidbit thrown in there and then say, like, we're all human or something. So, you know, she's writing it. She just seems so cute. Aw, that's cute. Mm-hmm. So, Nancy says on her website that um, all psychics are like snowflakes and no two are exactly the same or experience the same. Um, Some psychics may use tools that obviously other psychics are not using or be kind of, you know, um, having different techniques and things like that. 
So she says that every uh, psychic will have a different experience and that type of thing. She, like I said, started working for the police in the 1980s. She was working as a full-time nurse. So she says that on her website that that kept her grounded. And then she was learning kind of more the metaphysical realm on the side while she was also being a nurse. Wow. Get it, Nancy. She's mm-hmm. like a hardworking woman by day and getting into her metaphysics by night. Imagine how mentally taxing that would be for your job to be a nurse. I was just thinking that. I wonder if her being a nurse made it worse. She said that it kept her grounded. Once she got into the metaphysical realm, um, like I said before, she kind of does a lot of holistic practices and research on holistic medicines. Nancy is a firm believer in spirit and believes that the human body is a vessel for um, the soul to use. And Nancy knew pretty early on in life that obviously she had gifts. She says that her mother called her a witch and people will call it what they will. But she knew that she had, as she likes to say, some gifts. And, um, she, so her guess is that she, she also does a lot of work with animals and animal spirituality and things like that, which I think is so cool. I was just going to say, I feel like Nancy and I would be good friends. (laughs) Yeah, I completely, you would. (laughs) Nancy likes to help other people get closer to their own spirit and discover passions within themselves. Wow. Yep. Today, I really want to talk, though, about one of Nancy's most famous cases because, like I said, she has worked on a lot, and um, she has been in some shows and things like that, and her most famous case is on an episode of Paranormal Witness, you know, my favorite show. Yes, we love Paranormal Witness. And it was also on an episode of a show that was called Psychic Investigators, which I think is on Apple TV. Um, so Nancy moved to New Jersey and when she moved there and everything, um, so this is some, a little bit of background real quick before we'll actually get into the one crime we'll talk about. Nancy moved to, uh, Bud Lake, New Jersey, and she said that she didn't even really, you know, reach out to police and try and get involved in any of this. She said that she, you know, was just doing her psychic thing and had um, articles in the paper about her and that one day when she was at her son's karate practice, the instructor was actually a police officer and had asked Nancy if she had ever worked on a police investigation. And Nancy responded back, you know, why do you want to know? And obviously the police officer told her that there was a local crime in town and I guess Nancy gave her some information that she had seen in a vision that was really, really helpful. That kind of led her down the path. Just one brief encounter at your son's karate practice can change everything. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. That it was just like another parent there. Mm hmm. So the story that I will talk about specifically today is the disappearance and murder of Amy Hoffman in November, 1982 in Persephone, New Jersey. At this point, I think her son was nine and her daughter was like 13. So she's juggling a lot. (laughs) And she said that, you know, just on a typical 1982 November day, she got a phone call and knew 
when the phone rang that kind of something was going on already. She just psychic had psychic senses were tingling off the bat. Intuition. And it was a mother who said that her daughter's best friend, Amy Hoffman, had gone missing after her part-time job. And she knew um, Nancy had done some psychic work. Nancy said that, you know, she was sorry, but she kind of told the mother to reach out to police and the family of the victim first and tell them. And she was like, okay, I will. But Nancy said that already when this woman called her, she had a deep feeling that Amy was no longer living, but she wasn't going to say that, obviously, on the phone. (laughs) That would be really tough, being a psychic and knowing that and still trying to help. Yep. So, shortly after Amy disappeared, I think it was only a couple days, she was found deceased in a town close by to Persephone. She, I believe, was found in a water tank. Sad. A little more background on Amy Hoffman. She was a high school senior at the time of her murder. Popular, a cheerleader, gorgeous, of course. Um, A student and working a part-time job. And she was found murdered, pretty gruesome. And the article had printed that her body was found and there were no signs of rape. However, Nancy Weber said that when she read that newspaper, she was kind of like, what the hell? She said that she knew that she had a vision that the word rape, she saw that. So she knew that um, the victim, Amy, had been assaulted and she kind of saw the article and that sparked her interest even more. Nancy uh, got in contact with the police, a police detective that she had worked with, and um, he told her that, you know, he would come over with another detective and speak with her because she said that she knew the newspapers were lying and he was kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, don't, I feel like sometimes in the newspaper they specifically say things that aren't true because they know that the real person will like, no. Well, when Detective Bill told, he told another detective, um, a lead detective, I think he would later turn, went out to be the police captain, Jim, Bill told him about this and Jim was like you said, a little shocked because he knew that they specifically did not mention Amy's rape in the paper. So he was like, oh, okay, this is serious. She knows something. Detective Bill and Detective Jim go over to Nancy Weber's house and ask Nancy if she could tell Jim what she knew about the murder. Nancy explained she had visions of Amy with cuts all over her and was seeing the word rape. And Detective was becoming more convinced that Obviously, Nancy was the real deal and might give them some good information. Detective Jim and Detective Bill asked Nancy to accompany them on a little drive, and Nancy agrees, but she says that she, and they they agree with her, that she always said that she didn't want any information on where she was going or anything like that, obviously, because yeah. she doesn't want any compromising information. So, Nancy and the detectives drive to where Amy Hoffman was first went missing, which was a local mall, because Amy Hoffman was leaving her um, part-time job. Detective Jim was just driving <clears throat> without direction. He, you know, he didn't want to, le- like, give Nancy any hints or anything like that, but Nancy started to tell them where to drive and give them direction, and when they got to a certain spot, Nancy stopped them. 
And she says that she felt the energy of trauma in the air at a certain location. Because Nancy says that locations in the air and the ground and earth can hold trauma and hold that bad energy. And that's how she knows that where the bad things happen. I love that because personally, I've low-key always thought that. And that's why I think places are haunted. Because sometimes, like, when bad things happen, that energy just, like, sticks around. Yep. Nancy stood in one location and said, this is where it happened. And Detective Bill said he heard Detective Jim whisper under his breath, that's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, oh, my God. He was shocked. I mean, I would be shook, too. Listen to this. Nancy went on to have... A full-on vision of what occurred. Like, it's like, that's so Raven. <laughs> basically. A really horrible episode of That's So Raven. Yeah. A nightmare version. <laughs> that's so Raven on Investigation Discovery. Mm-hmm. Nancy then said, I see a green car. And she had a vision of a woman opening her car. And a man gets out of a green vehicle behind her. Grabs the woman from her car, drags the woman back to his car, throws her in the back of his car, and drives away. Nancy very specifically told detectives that she saw the victim's car door was left open and the purse was sitting on the side of the car. And the perpetrator's car had three taillights on the end and was green. Detectives were taken aback because they said witnesses reported a green car speeding away from the scene. Hmm? And they were also shocked because they didn't release any of the information about the door being open and the purse being found to the public either, which they knew, obviously, again, that Nancy was the real deal. Detectives then decided to take Nancy to the scene where Amy's body was found. And like I said before, they didn't tell her where they were going. Clearly, they're not going to spell it out for her. Yeah. Detective Jim was... He's a little enamored with Nancy when they were driving. He was, you know, kind of watching her every move when they were on their way to (laughs) Amy Hoffman's uh, crime or where her body was found. And he said that he actually noticed that Nancy was becoming more uncomfortable as they drove along. And he could see that, you know, she's kind of going through some heavy emotions in her head. That'd be kind of cool. Not cool to watch, but it would be interesting to watch them, like, live in action. Yeah, to watch a psychic just unravel this crazy murder and crime. No surprise that Nancy knew when she went to this scene that it was the site of the murder. Again, it was on kind of a reserve, and Amy was found in a water tank, but um, they took Nancy to where... Amy was attacked, and she said that she could feel uh, instructions kind of leaning her way, and she got, again, to an energy of the woods that she said the energy was just incredibly thick, and she knew that it had happened there. She said that it was actually kind of cool that the pine needles almost seemed like little knives, and that the energy just seemed so piercing. Like Wow. I know. It was crazy. That is crazy. And Nancy knew that where she was is where he actually attacked her and murdered her. It's very, very disturbing, too, because Nancy says that when she... She had to obviously do this for the investigation. That She just, you know, stood there and was kind of still and focusing on what happened. And she could hear 
screams for help and begging and pleading for mercy from the attacker. And Nancy also said that she could tell that the attack attacker was getting a great delight from this event and really enjoyed committing this attack. Nancy also said that she sensed um, he was enjoying himself when he killed Amy, obviously. And Nancy said she could, you know, sense Amy kind of getting stabbed. Nancy told them also that she sensed that Amy had been cut post-mortem and that that was something, obviously, again, that the attacker just did for pleasure. Detectives, again, were also stunned because they didn't tell any, no one had made that information public that Amy even had post-mortem wounds. And all of this evidence was just crazy that she was able to know all of this. Nancy also told them that she, when she was at the site of the attack, she could kind of focus in and see a, a skinny, tall man standing six feet away who was younger. And I swear she said had dog hair on his clothes. Um, and detectives believed Nancy and they obviously were shocked by all of this. But at the same time, they couldn't really make an arrest off just that. Yeah, I mean, like, who is it still? Exactly. Nancy, however, started, she was becoming more haunted by this case because she was receiving visions of the attacker here and there, and she knew that the attacker, the killer, was hunting individuals at the moment. Like, she knew that that was still ongoing, and she said she felt very helpless, and it was really hard to feel that you knew he was going to strike again, and you couldn't do anything about it. Yeah, I'm sure that's rough. Twelve days after the murder of Amy Hoffman, a 29-year-old woman was also found dead at a truck stop. She also had been stabbed, and her name was Deirdre O'Brien. Um, she had been taken from her car on a dark country road and left at a truck stop in Alamuchi, I believe is how you say it. About 20 miles away from Morristown, New Jersey. That is wild that she could sense that, like, coming. This literally sounds like a movie. Mm -hmm. And it's so sad, the story, but the second murder really sparked a fire within detectives. Detectives were getting more nervous because it was pretty clear that since this town didn't have any crime before this... Two murders where younger women were stabbed to death and left were pretty apparent that it was the same person. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Detective Bill and Detective Jim contact Nancy immediately and take her to where the second victim was found. Nancy, immediately when they get there, says that she sees the same green car with three taillights at the truck stop. And this part is so sad. Nancy then receives a vision of the killer opening his trunk at the truck stop where the young woman was still alive and in the trunk. <clears throat> he stabbed the young woman in the abdomen, threw her body out of the truck, and drove away. At the truck stop? Yes. It was in the middle of the night, and it was really deserted and, you know. <clears throat> That's still horrible. Mm-hmm. Unlike the last attack, though, this victim actually was still alive and ran into the kind of parking lot down a little further and there was a trucker who was in his truck and she banged on the door for help 
And it's crazy because, again, went to exactly where this happened at the site and was telling detectives about it. And one of the detectives said that it seemed like she put her hand up like she was knocking on the truck. And that information wasn't made public, again, that she had, you know, knocked on the window or anything. They said it was crazy. Like, they were literally watching it happen almost. Did the guy help her in the truck? Oh, thank God. So, um, Nancy told detectives that she watched the girl knock on the truck and the trucker got out and um, kind of held her on the ground and was like... I'll help you and everything. And Nancy said that the young woman said, thank you. I know I'm dying. And just the trucker was like, no, you're not and everything. And she unfortunately took her last breath in the trucker's arms and passed away. First of all, I'm going to cry. Second of all, that is so hard being a trucker. Could you even imagine you're just like chilling at the truck stop and you literally have to hold a woman while she takes her last breath Mm -hmm. and tell her it's going to be okay. And imagine Nancy. She's watching and experiencing uh, this whole thing. Um, So the young woman that was found or unfortunately passed away in the trucker's arms, her name was Deirdre O'Brien. I think you already said that. Okay. Sorry. The only good thing about this vision was that this time, I think because Nancy was so invested, she was able to focus in on the attacker's face and could kind of almost see him getting back in the car and for a second could kind of, you know, see, like, channel in on his point of view. She said, you know, she saw long fingers in that the man, she could see his face in the car and she again described it to police. And Nancy also kind of told them more about his, um, she thought that he was European descent and maybe Polish. And he had previously served time in prison in Florida. She was kind of getting that. I don't know how she just got that vibe, but she did. (laughs) And she told them that. But again, they were kind of like, this is not great that you saw this, but this information is great, but we still don't know. Yeah. At this point, they were still just kind of driving Nancy around from, you know, here and there, seeing what she picked up on. And after the Deirdre O'Brien murder, Nancy was driving with detectives through uh, Mentham, New Jersey, when she kind of picked up on a strange feeling that they needed to go to the police department and talk to the police officers there. So detectives take her there and she goes to the police department and she says that she's getting this very strong vision that last summer, one of the police officers had, a, a, um, I'm sorry, pulled over the perpetrator and the killer and had given him a ticket. And she said that she was getting this vision and she could see that the police officer's last name started with a C and she could see kind of that the name on the driver's license that the killer handed to the police officer was James and it began with a K, began with a K. last name ended in like an I-C-H. That's very specific. Yeah. And... The police officers were like, yeah, we actually do have one police officer here whose last name begins with a C. And um, he was on vacation at the time, though, so they couldn't confirm. And I guess they said back then, when you're on vacation, no one can contact you. You are, like, cut off from the world. Oh, my God. I'm sure they were probably just, like, biting their fingernails waiting for that dude to get back. (laughs) Yep. So, in the meantime, um, 
detectives take Nancy to the Persephone Police Department, and when they walk in, someone actually tells Nancy, they tell Detective Jim to get her out of here. And apparently the lead investigator in the Persephone Police Department wanted nothing to do with Nancy or her visions, and they didn't care about any information that she had to say. That's annoying. Yep. Nancy knew she needed to take matters into her own hands. Get it, Nancy. This next part is nuts. Let's like, hear it. I'm buckle excited. down and get ready for the woo. Ooh, tell me. Nancy knew she she needed to do something spiritual. And what Nancy decided to do was reach out to a group of psychics that she had taught classes to. Throughout her classes, she knew that she could call upon four very powerful psychics who were like true and experienced and all of the good things. And Nancy called on them and they formed a deep meditation circle and called in energy and focused that energy. Nancy asked the group of the psychics to sit down and again, they're all meditating and channeling their energy. And she says, put all of your focus onto that attacker. Put all of your focus onto the person who did this. And I want you to make him feel that negative energy that he has put out into the world, that he has put out onto these women. And I want you to like have him feel that right now and feel it so hard that he'll never hurt anyone else again. Holy crap. That's and crazy. Nancy and the group did that energy and they kind of did that ritual. And Nancy really... and the girls were just conjuring it up. I don't think, I think it was girls and guys, like <laughs> all genders here. Get it. And this, they're just, they channeled. After they did their little ritual, Nancy said that she just kind of felt lighter and that something was over. A few days later, police knock on Nancy's door and they're like, what did you do? And Nancy is like, uh, what's going on? And she's scared, thinking another murder happened. Yeah. Detective Jim and Detective Bill tell Nancy that the previous night, a man in a green Chevy called police due to an attack. And when police arrived, they found a tall, skinny man, younger, in a green Chevy with three taillights on the back, matching Nancy's description. And his name was James Kodatich. It's hard to pronounce because it's Polish. But that's what she said. Ends in I-C-H. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Nancy is good. Listen to this. The reason why he called police is because he said that he had been assaulted by a woman and he had been stabbed in the back by a woman with shoulder length brown hair. Which is what Nancy's hair looked like. Police actually found out that no one assaulted him Obviously, he's had to have done it to himself, but still to this day, they've never found out who or found any reason why he said someone assaulted him and he just called the police and turned himself in. I'm so shook. Yeah. Isn't that the craziest thing you've ever heard ever in your life? That is insane. Like, I cannot believe that. That is crazy. Uh-huh. This James Kodatich person, I'll just call him James K because the last name's hard to pronounce. I don't want to keep butchering it for all my Polish listeners who are cringing. <laughs> when they look into his background, they find out that he had previously been arrested and in jail in Florida 
for the murder of his 40-year-old roommate. He strangled his roommate. She called that, too. Not the strangling, but that he was in Florida. Yep. He also had killed another inmate while in prison, apparently, but got off on self-defense on that one. Oh. Once released from prison in 1982, the same year that these murders took place, he returned home to his home in Morristown, um, New Jersey, where Amy Hoffman lived. As you will remember, Nancy said that the man she was seeing served time in Florida, so clearly crazy. When police and forensic detectives examined the vehicle of James K., they found DNA evidence from Amy Hoffman inside the vehicle. They also detected the de- investigated the trunk. So they found evidence of Deirdre O'Brien in the trunk. And it was crazy because they Nancy Weber had said that Deirdre had been in the trunk. And the truck driver didn't tell them that. They didn't have any records of her being in the trunk. So it's crazy that they found evidence specifically from Deirdre in the trunk, but not from Amy. She knew. James Kay was arrested and sentenced to life in prison for the murders of Amy Hoffman and Deirdre O'Brien. He actually got the death penalty, but then it was like they, when they met again or retried the death penalty thing, some people were against it, so he got life instead. Neither James Kay or detectives have ever explained that weird attack and how he stabbed himself and said that a woman with hair resembling Nancy stabbed him. My mind is so blown by that. But so. Nancy Weber sure as hell says it wasn't her. Um, so just a quick update on that case, because that was in 1982. In 2018, James Kodetich requested a DNA test of the DNA that was taken from Amy Hoffman's rape kit, trying to say that he didn't do it. The Superior Court of Morristown, New Jersey, the judge allowed the test to be sent out for DNA confirmation, but the test that they sent out didn't have enough evidence to give any results. There's one more sample left from Amy Hoffman's uh, rape kit, but James K. told a judge in 2018 that he did not want the final sample sent off. Instead, James K. made a plea to the Innocence Project in October 2018 and asked for their assistance, requesting that they find an independent lab and send his DNA results to the lab and then, I guess, take on his case. But I'm sorry, there was other, there was like a good amount of evidence. (laughs) The thing is, too, it's, it's horrible, but he hasn't, he never appealed the Deirdre O'Brien case. He only is appealing Amy Hoffman's and asking them to test that DNA from her rape kit. Okay. So it's kind of like, whatever. You guys get what I'm saying. Yeah. The Superior Court Judge of Morristown said he considers this case to be closed. Alice of 2018. Yeah, they're not dealing with that again. That's the last update on that. For the victims, though, they did have a nonprofit organization now called Deirdre's House. Um, Or, I'm sorry, it's an advocacy agency for abused and child victims of crimes, which is amazing. That's great. Which was named in the memory of Deirdre O'Brien. Aw. Based on some daily record articles I found, uh, victim rights advocate Richard Pompilio and Deirdre's house executive director Maria Vinci Savatier attended James K.'s hearings every time and provide a voice for Amy and Deirdre. Oh, good. I love that. Yeah. 
And um, Richard Pompilio is still in contact with Amy Hoffman's sister and provides her with updates. And he firmly believes that all of James K.'s kind of uh, appeals and whatnot are just for, you know, to win time and do all that. Yeah. Now, the only other thing I want to touch on for this case is that back to Nancy, when this came out, because this case is so popular, I actually found an article that was an article writing from the point of a skeptic, basically pointing flaws in this entire case and in Nancy. So I'll just quick, really quick, that article is called um, The Psychic and the Serial Killer Examining the Best Case for Psychic Detectives by Benjamin Radford. And the description is an examination of the, quote, best case, unquote, of psychic detective abilities offered insight into how extraordinary claims are made, exaggerated, and clung to despite clear disconfirming evidence, end quote. Harsh. This article is written by the Skeptical Inquirer by author Benjamin Radford. There's a lot I took notes on for this, but... I just want to say is that he is pointing out some things in Nancy Weber's story, saying that there are flaws in her story, and he's not really discrediting her as, well, kind of, but he's saying that, you know, that they're just trying to get these points across for these trivial things, and he's saying that all of the things that Nancy gave were really vague and that they were just used to mold into this killer and that they weren't actually plausible. He points out all of these little things. He says that Nancy Weber claimed the killer served time in a southern jail, not Florida, and that she also said that the killer was of European descent, but the one detective... One detective said European descent, but Nancy said Polish. He basically found every single point that he could conflict two different accounts. And it's mainly between the two detectives that he's conflicting. Okay, but I'm sorry. It's still, how is she getting the information in general? And people just don't understand. She's still on to something. How do they see that? It doesn't have to be right on point to be obvious. Mm -hmm. But I have a point to make it for him. Hmm. So he said in the in the last little bit of his article that there's a nail in the coffin for Nancy and the detectives. And that that nail is that Nancy and the detectives had all of this information. So why could they not narrow down a Florida felon with such a distinct name and stature in New Jersey? I will give him that. That much I was kind of wondering. The author... Actually, I will give him this. Took it upon himself. To, he took all of the information that Nancy apparently gave at the time before James K. was found and looked through a phone book that he had at the time. And he said there were only like four people and it was obvious who it was. But like I said, I have the receipts for that question. Nancy on her own website in the Psychic Detectives article, she has a tab on her website for her book, Psychic Psychic Detectives. And in the bottom, she actually has a paragraph about the Paranormal Witness episode and says it was kind of a reunion for her and Detectives Jim and Bill. And let me just read this direct quote from Nancy's website. Quote, When I worked with Bill Hughes and Jimmy Moore, I insisted that, Number one, at least five towns called in the killer's name, so why didn't they get him yet? Number two, 
The investigating prosecutor is not doing the job. Why? Number three, lots of other women have been approached by the killer and were able to fortunately get away. Why is no one talking? Four, the chief prosecutor, Trumbull, knows that something is wrong. Deirdre O'Brien was killed when all the information was already in. I don't get it. He is the known police. He is known to the police. He was a troublemaker when a kid in school. He's known to a lot of cops. His brother knows he, it's probably him. He's killed in Florida twice. One murder put him in prison. Then he killed his cellmate. This guy absolutely knows. Period. End quote. You know, honestly, I low-key feel like she probably told them the name and they were like, we're not gonna... I'm not done yet, girl. Oh, sorry. That's <laughs> okay. No, you're good. I got ahead of myself. I just was like, you know what? I stand Nancy, so I... Nancy said that she had this little reunion, you know, with Bill and Jim and that the detectives agreed with her and agreed with all of that information. And the police officer in Mendham County, Officer Costanza, he had pulled over uh, James K. the summer before when they finally got in contact with him. He told Nancy he held on to the ticket for four years because he was so mad that the lead investigator blew him off. He said that he reached out to the lead investigator at the time and, and told him what had happened and that he just didn't follow up. <sighs> so basically what they're saying is that Nancy is saying in the detectives, she's she said that they agreed that the investigating prosecutor at the time knew all of this and just basically wanted to solve it on his own terms and wasn't taking any of this into account. So it's not the fact of why couldn't Nancy solve this with all the information she gave them? Why are you putting that question on her? Yeah, I agree. So... Yeah, and there's a lot of other drama you can read with that. Like, you can read the whole article, but it's a lot of back and forth. Like I said, she's saying, like, she is saying, yeah, that's true, but there's more going on to the story. This police investigator was kind of corrupt in kind of doing this, so don't put that on me. But that is a lot of drama, so if you want to read into that, go ahead. But like I said, there are critics, but she has the receipts. Yeah. So that's that. To conclude, Nancy Weber, to this day, offers coaching, mentorship. Her psychic detective book was just re-released in 2018. She's still doing her thing, and her website is amazing. She has essential oils, um, holistic practices. She has poetry. She has books. And I really think you guys should go to her website. I spent like two hours on there reading and watching videos of Nancy. She seems so amazing. And so if you want to be coached by her, you can still be coached by her to this day and get some mentorship. That's amazing. I love that. So Ms. I'm going to have to check out that website. Yeah. And like I said, there are a ton of more cases, but I was just going to get into one because one had enough drama. So. Yeah, that's wild. Get and, it, Nancy. Yeah. Go read her book, buy her book and read all of the cases she's done because she has helped police with a lot. So I hope you guys like that. Let us know what you think about Nancy and let us know what you think about the people coming for her. Yeah. Let us know your opinions on what you think. We like Nancy and we love her on this uh, podcast. We do. We stand her. (laughs) 
Thank you guys for listening. Thanks, guys. We'll be back next time with another episode of Solving Psychics. That's our theme. I love it. Whoop, whoop. And we love you. Bye. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at ew, that's creepy podcast, or send us an email at ew, that's creepy podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.